0: Good morning. My name is Nicole Arnold and I am a member here at MPC. Our scripture reading this morning comes from John chapter 20 verses 19 to 23 and it can be found on page 906 of your church bibles. Let's go together in God's word. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews This is the word of the Lord.
1: Be to God. Well, good morning, everyone. I just want to add my welcome to all those who have welcomed you already, whether you're here in the sanctuary, whether you're down in the fellowship hall, you're at Fairfax, or joining us online. It's a great privilege to gather as God's people throughout the DC metro area and to celebrate his grace uh, today. This past week, the staff took some time to. Uh, praise God for, for all of you, uh, for everything that you did uh, this past week uh, to to welcome our largest number of people ever to our worship services on, on Easter by inviting your friends and, and your coworkers and and your neighbors and by being willing to park down at the lodge and at Cooper uh, to make room here and by serving in our nursery and as ushers, uh, we were able to share grace with so many and so we we praise God that you're using your gifts to, to glorify him and to enjoy him forever here at this church. So today you may have noticed on the front of your worship guide it still says Easter so that all may know it's not a misprint. We know that Easter was last week but we are continuing to wrap up our series today and yes This is the third time this year we're preaching on this passage. It's not a misprint. So my task is to preach on this section of Scripture after Steve Smallman and James Forsyth have already preached on it. No big deal. But there's a lot more to say about it, and so we'll jump into that together. Our premise for today is this, is that a puppy is not just for birthdays. And you're thinking, what in the world? Don't worry. Uh, we'll get there, but before I explain, let's let's remember where we've been in this series. We, we kicked it off by looking at a section in the Gospel of St. John, remembering that he wrote these stories down so that we might know and believe in Jesus Christ even today. And then we looked at the important events in the life of Jesus during his last week of earthly ministry. We looked on Palm Sunday when Jesus came as a king riding on a donkey into Jerusalem, but, but it was a very different kind of entrance for a king. And then on Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, we looked when Jesus had his last meal with his disciples, and he washed their feet. And then we saw on Good Friday when Jesus was tortured and crucified on the cross before Pilate. And and both of these events showed us that Jesus is not only the way, but he's the truth as well. And then last week on Easter Sunday, James reminded us that the resurrection means that, that dead things come to life, that dead things actually do live again and so today, we are considering that a puppy is not just for birthdays. Let me explain. Now, no doubt, all of us are aware of that event. Some of us have even experienced a puppy on a birthday. And maybe many of us have even seen it on social media. Imagine in your heads, it's a birthday party, right? There's balloons and candles, and maybe most of the gifts have already been opened, and there's just one more gift to go. And so maybe you you have a present with some holes in it, or you ask uh, your child to, to close their eyes, and then you say, open your eyes, and then there before them is the cutest puppy in the history of the world. The crowd goes wild. Instagram explodes. There's heart emojis everywhere. <laughs> that, though, is not the full puppy experience because puppies just aren't for birthdays. You see, right now, I have two little boys, and it's both their birthdays in the span of two weeks, and that's their dream right now, is to get a puppy for their birthday And we keep reminding them that puppies aren't just for birthdays. Like the next day, somebody has to get up in the middle of the night. And it might be raining to take them to go out to the bathroom. And somebody's got to pick up the yard afterwards. You don't see that stuff on Instagram. (laughs) You know, puppies aren't just for birthdays. And evangelism is not just for Easter. Easter. Today, our aim is to make sure that we don't miss the purpose that God has for his people, that God has for, for us as a church, and also that, that God has for us as, as individual followers of Jesus Christ. And if, if you're like most of the people in this town, we, we have a, a thousand different callings, a, a thousand different things uh, to consider every week. And you may be here today because of that very desire, trying to figure out what your calling in life is. You may be asking some important questions as you're about to, to graduate from, from high school or college. You, you may have just moved here to a new town and you're, and you're wondering uh, where to live and, and whom to live with. Or, or maybe you're, you're nearing the end of your marketplace job and you're approaching retirement and you're reflecting back on your life saying, did, did I make good decisions about how I spent my time? You see, who, who among us doesn't want to live a full life, a wholehearted life that makes a difference? Well, we're presented with a lot of choices. So before we dive into this text, let's ask the Father to do something amazing through his word, to show us how to live lives full of meaning and joy. So let's pray one more time. Heavenly Father, this this is an important text, not not just because it's on the the cornerstone of our our church building, but because these are some of of your first words that you spoke to your church after your resurrection. Lord, in this room are, are men and women, boys and girls who are presented with all kinds of choices. So help us to to really listen and to really believe in order to really follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, diving back into the story once more, remember that it's Sunday in verse 19. It's the first day of the week, and the disciples are back in a room, possibly the same upper room where they celebrated the last meal with Jesus. They're behind locked door because they are scared of what might happen to them. And as they are in this room, Jesus appeared. And in their terrified midst, Jesus stood among them and he showed his disciples his Scars, what James called last week his uniform, that signified what Jesus had done for them, for us, and what he will do one day. And then look down at verse 21, which will really be the focus of our time this morning. Jesus says, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. There's a very clear purpose that Jesus gives us and will be the focus of our time. So I've been reminded of of three beautiful truths in this text, and, and I want to share those with you today. The first beautiful truth is this. God's purpose for your life and my life is gracious. We've been saved for grace. Now, looking at the beginning of that verse, 21, as the Father sent me We have to remember how Jesus was sent. Remember, according to the Bible, that the purpose of Jesus was to save the world, to seek the lost, to purchase a people, to heal the sick, and to set prisoners free. So I love, I love verse 20, that when Jesus showed up in the room, notice the disciples' reaction. It says, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Their friend is back with them again. Their teacher has returned. Their journey is not over. And maybe, just maybe, their failure is not final. Because in love, Jesus makes it clear that he comes in peace, He comes in peace, not with condemnation or judgment or rebuke or bitterness over their betrayal, but he comes in peace. It shows us, does it not, that the early church is first a group of people who need to be saved. <laughs> who are we? We're just like those disciples. We're cowards. We're doubters. We're liars. We're self-centered, power-hungry, broken people. And Jesus still loves us. He still loves us. Not some future version of us, but who we are now. He loves us. In other words, you need to hear this today. No matter how big our sin, we can't suffocate his grace. That's how the Father sent Jesus. But then notice at the end of verse 21, he says, Even so, I am sending you cowards, liars, and doubters. You're to continue my mission you see, the primary qualification for being used by Jesus is not an impressive spiritual resume, but it's an awareness of your need of his grace. No one is so broken that you can't be saved or sent by Jesus today. Look at Jesus. Look at who he's sending, who he's commissioning in this passage. And just use your brains and imagine this scenario. If, if Jesus were, were interviewing the disciples for a job to, to be his witnesses to the end of the world, you can just imagine that. He shows up in the room. Hey, I'm going to sit over here in the other room and I want you to come in and, and I'm, I'm going to interview you by asking a few questions to, to see if you measure up to be one of the apostles. So uh, uh, Peter, you're in here first. Peter sits down. So, so, Peter, let, let's just role play for a minute. Imagine this scenario that you're, you're, you're sitting around a campfire and a, a little girl asks you if you know me. Oh, yeah. Uh, next, um, Thomas. Where's Thomas? What? He's not even here? He doesn't even believe in my existence? This is not going to go so well. That's not how it goes, Right? We live in a town where there are some impressive resumes. And friends, you can spend your life building an impressive resume and you can miss the point of life. Now, there's nothing wrong with impressive resumes, but if we build our identity on our CVs and not on the blood of Christ, then we are missing the most important thing in life. Easter reminds us that we have been saved from sin, death, and evil. But we have also been saved for something. We've been saved from sin, but we've been saved for glory and enjoyment. And it's not just some pie in the sky down the road in the future. But today, we have been saved for His glory and Our joy, the creator and designer of the universe tells us that if we want to live gracious lives, then live your life on mission for Jesus. It's why he repeats this commission, not only in the Gospel of John, but in Matthew. Remember when he says, go into all the world telling everyone about me. It's why we hear this repeated in Acts 1.8, that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. This is our mission. And friends, we have drunk the Kool-Aid. We believe that God is not only most glorified when we are satisfied in him, but that we are most satisfied when we are living in him. For his glorious purpose. Grace has come to us so that we can take grace to others. What is our mission statement? Hopefully you know it by now if you've been around for a few years. It's on the front of your worship guide, right? It says, we exist to glorify and enjoy God by making disciples through grace-filled worship, community, and missions. And every time we talk about this mission statement... With all of our new members classes, we say, where did we get this? It's not something that we just all sat around one day and say, hey, what do we think we want the church to be about? Hey, I've got a great idea. Juggling. Nah, nah, nah. How about this? We, we get our mission from the Great Commission, from Jesus, who, who says to go out and to make disciples and to share grace. And we do that through, through worship, community, and missions. And, and when you gather in this room on the first day of the week, on a Sunday, as we worship the one who saved us, it is meant to fuel us for the week that God has called us to live. We come back into his presence every week so that we are reminded, that we are refreshed that we are reoriented to his grace because if you are like me, I leak grace throughout the week and I need to be filled with it by being here with all of you every single Sunday. But worship, worship is only one part. It's a great start. But if church to you and following Jesus means only showing up for one hour, one day, a week, you're missing out. We are sent into the world to live in community and on mission. Friends, are we living gracious lives of purpose outside these walls during the week? Are we in relationship? Do we have friends who don't know Jesus and not just living in a a Christian bubble and and staying insulated from everybody out there do you come to church on Sundays just to get a little bit of inspiration and and hear good Scottish preaching (laughs) not me or can you say that you're working to share grace with other people friends we need to ask ourselves, is my Christian life only defined by one hour on Sunday? If it is, that's a great start. But we invite you to more. There's so much more to life when we step into living into this calling. So we see that God has called us to a gracious purpose. What's the second beautiful truth? Don't worry, these last two are, are shorter. The second purpose that we see in this passage the second beautiful truth is this is that that God's purpose is freeing we've been saved for freedom we see that in two ways in this text first notice the order in this section don't miss this this is so good in this passage Jesus says peace two times before he sends them on mission now think about that. That's not the way that you and I are, are used to operating. We think that we'll have peace when we get the work done. You know, we, we make to-do lists, and after we check them all off, because we're high achievers in this town, after we check all the boxes, only then can we sit down and rest. Only when we feel like we've accomplished enough can we try to attain Peace but we're constantly left Wondering if we've done enough And then our peace is gone Or we have to start all over again The very next Day This plays out all the time We think we have to work And then peace Comes That's not how Jesus rolls He doesn't say hey I'm sending you And if you don't mess it up Then you can have peace Notice the order. Jesus gives us peace. And then he says, go to work. So God's purpose is freeing because of the order. But secondly, his way, his purpose is freeing because notice the offer in verse 22. He says, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit you see, God's word tells us that, that he exists as the Trinity, that he is one God eternally existing in three persons, Father, Holy Spirit, and as my four-year-old says, the baby, otherwise known as the son because he didn't stay as a baby. But every time we do devotions and we ask, and how many persons does this God exist? Three. What are they? The Father, the Holy Spirit, and the baby. And we're like, of. Sort of. <laughs> You see, Jesus says, not only do you have a great purpose, but I'm freeing you by giving you a great resource, the Holy Spirit, to accomplish everything that I'm tasking you to do. If you are a Christian today, then you have the Holy Spirit. Because we have the peace of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, we have purpose that is freeing. The pressure is off. None of us can change anyone's hearts and it's not our job. But we've also never met a person that the Holy Spirit cannot change. Realize this, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead can bring life to any death. As we sung earlier today, it's your breath in our lungs. So we We pour out our praise to you. We are free because we have the peace of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the third and and final beautiful truth that we see about God's purpose in this passage is this, is it's meaningful. We have been saved to live lives full of meaning. That's verse 23. It says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven me. But if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, what does that mean? That, that sounds like a whole lot of power, does it not? Well, well, very simply, it means this. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ... You have been entrusted with the message of forgiveness, of reconciliation, of God reconciling sinners to himself through the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we share that gospel message, it comes with spiritual authority. It means that when we declare that message on behalf of the one who is resurrected from the dead, that if someone repents of their sins and if they believe in Jesus Christ, then they really, actually, and are truly forgiven of all of their sins, past, present, and future. That's spiritual authority. And it also means that that as we share that gospel message with our lives and with our lips, for those who continue to embrace their sin and and to reject Jesus means that you are not in a right relationship with God. We have been entrusted with the gospel to share it with others who need it just as much as us. We bring peace, shalom, healing to people for this life and the next we give ourselves to something that lasts beyond the grave. It's meaningful. And you and I, we're sent to share our imperfections and forgiveness with others. Because others need grace too. As one pastor put it, we are beggars telling other beggars where we found food. <laughs> because forgiveness has come to us, we have purpose That is meaningful. Let me ask you to participate for a moment. Don't get freaked out. How how many of you are not from the D.C. metro area? Raise your hand. Just what I thought. Everybody who didn't raise their hand are, are blaming you for traffic and house prices right now. Most of us are not from here. And let me tell you this today. God has not brought you here by accident Even though events may seem random, you came to this city because you followed a girl, Uncle Sam moved you, or you moved because you wanted to change the world. And maybe that worked out, and maybe it didn't work out. But the Bible tells us this that our life is a story, and God is the author, and you are not here by a random set of events, but that you are here in this moment, in this city. Placed where you are with your friends, your neighbors and your coworkers, by the providence of God for a purpose. You and I have meaning where we are. And the question is, are we leveraging it? Are we investing and inviting others to encounter people and places of grace? Some of you are going, oh, this is where he's going to tell me to do something and you don't understand. I've got three jobs and my kids are playing 15 sports and I'm serving here. I don't have time for anything else. Well, good news. I'm not asking you to do anything new. I'm just asking you to change some of the things and the ways that you do it. As you go to all your soccer practices, just be intentional about where you put your folding chair and who you sit beside on that sideline. You're already there. Now just be intentional about it. Most of you still eat two, three, four, if you're teenagers, five meals a day. Um, invite somebody to eat with you. Uh, most of you, you come to church at least two times a month. Go, go one time to the nursing homes with Acts Ministry. Just do something you're already doing, worship in a, in a different place. Take your family to the nursing home and worship and, and, and share grace in that way. Just leverage the time that you already have. If you turn in your worship guide to page eight, yeah, that's the section for sermon notes. I can tell you've not been taking any. <laughs> it's okay. As Charles said, it's a a judgment-free zone. There's a prayer down at the bottom of that page. And I challenge you and I to make this your prayer this week. It's from a book. You can see the reference there. Jesus, you have sent me to join your work in this world. Please order the rest of my day in love for the people you have given me to serve. Amen. Just a beautiful prayer, a beautiful reminder to pray, to be intentional about our days. Friends, this text tells us that the Savior saves us and sends us, so we have a purpose. And that purpose is gracious, it's freeing, and it's meaningful. Some of you may know the name Richard Halverson. He was the one-time pastor at at Fourth Pres in Maryland uh, who became the chaplain of the Senate. And I was told this week that he would often use a certain phrase as his benediction, and I think it's appropriate today. He would say this. You go nowhere by accident. Wherever you go, God is sending you. Wherever you are, God has put you there. God has a purpose in your being there. Christ lives in you and has something he wants to do through you where you are. Believe this and go in the grace and love and power of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are reminded that puppies aren't just for birthdays and and Jesus is not just for Easter. So Father, on, on this first day of the week, would you continue to remind, refresh, and reorient our souls to your grace so that our, our, our lives and our lips may, may simply be an overflow of what we've already tasted and experienced by, by being with you today and, and by being with your people. So, Father, help us not to live little lives and little stories only, but to place them in the context of your bigger story that you have come to save the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
2: Please turn to page six in your worship guide. We're going to respond to God's word together by confessing our faith using the Heidelberg Catechism, question one. Christian, what is your only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him.